This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Tuesday. We are back with more podcasts. I don't know if you noticed, we decided to release not one, no, but two videos in the same day on Sunday, 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 <laughs> which one of you on Discord said, if Gravedigger doesn't show up in one of these videos, you're going to unsubscribe. So I've decided maybe, maybe I can't push the Sunday, Sunday, Sunday <laughs> thing quite as much anymore without some sort of shoots flames monster truck, which we are not going to cover. Doing a backflip off the exactly. dirt. But it was the Integra Type S Civic Type R Audi S3 piece that was on the original channel. We hope you've seen that. And then, of course, the Mazda CX-90 was our latest SUV to drop on the Test Drive channel, which is not all SUVs, but it's a lot of SUVs. There's a lot on there. Yeah. What are we, crazy? I put the PHEV lettering underneath the logo on the thumbnail of the CX-90. Mm -hmm. Specifically, it's because it is the hybrid PHEV, but we want to drive the inline six. We yeah, look we forward did. to the yeah, inline six from Mazda. And this was the, the press car that we got, yep, but yep. I'm looking forward to actually maybe doing a separate review, even we though we should. don't usually do two different reviews of two different, same car, different engines, different mm -hmm, powertrains, mm -hmm. unless it's warranted. This might be. So I put I that on there just is, yeah. to leave the door open because we want to drive stuff with that new inline six. Yeah, we do. And that is one of the first vehicles that does have it. So we, uh, we hope to drive it. We're, uh, we're not there yet, but also uh, from our friends at Blipshift, there's two shirts available just in time for the 2023 Texas F1 race. The first one is called Dry Rubbin' is Racing, number four. <laughs> I like this so much. It's the, I just, uh, the barbecue I, tire I have smoke to have it. I have to have it. I, it's one of those shirts that, for whatever reason, when it went by the first time, I didn't buy it. I thought, that's kind of cool. I did. And then you started wearing it. And every time you wore it, I just find myself just kind of staring at the at the image, just going, that is super cool. You know how some, you talk about this in art. It, it's like it takes multiple reads. Mm-hmm. A lot of our shirts, the, the one, two, like, three read. Totally. Yeah. A lot of our yeah. shirts are, that shirt's pretty obvious. Like our 86 drifting shirt, one of my all time favorites. <laughs> that pretty much in your face. Pretty yeah. obvious. There's the read. You get yeah. it. This yeah. one, every time I look at it, I see something new. I'm looking at it literally right now and seeing something new. Everydaydriver.com. You can go to the store tab and to Blipshift that way or Blipshift directly into the partner stores. But I have decided I must have one of these Coda Barbecue Smokehouse things because it just, it's great. It makes me laugh. There's also Coda Dreamin' too. It is the track layout. If you have not gotten either of these shirts or both, now is your chance to get them for another three days. Go to our partner store on Blipshift and you can find them there. And then also coming, a Utah tech session on behalf of Griot's Garage. Mm -hmm. It is an open house at Complete Detail Solutions. I realize that every one of you listening that is not in Utah around the world cannot attend, but this is a great way to showcase locally Griot's Garage products, and mm -hmm. that is by our West Coast rep, Jamie Elligan, on Saturday, October 21st, 2023, from 10 to 2 p.m., showcasing paint decontamination and paint correction. And again, mm -hmm. that's featuring all of Griot's Garage products for the Utah tech session. Things I am not good at. So I will be standing be there great. going, huh, I didn't know you could do that. That'll be me the whole day. Another heads up, uh, so much business to get through. Yeah, it's great. Number 850, episode 850, that live stream is coming. This episode is 841, so we were nine away. So mm -hmm. big heads up there. That will be weeks uh, out, about four weeks out. Now. A lot of questions. Yeah, be, it's actually, here's the thing. The 50 counts are all questions, no cars. So it gets weird. 
Just letting you know. <laughs> I it don't know weird. how to talk about things other than it, cars. Well, we'll figure it Unless out. Unless it's watches. There's been a lot. Of, oh, no, no. A lot of furniture. Oh, no. I can't oh, wait man. to talk about All furniture. All right. Well, there that happens. Okay. And lastly, before we jump into the topic Tuesday, we are planning to be at SEMA 2023 in Las Vegas on Wednesday, November 1st, 2023. We will be cruising the show, getting mm-hmm. some business done. And if you uh, just think in you see day. us on Wednesday at SEMA, you probably did. <laughs> you probably, it probably did. It, now, if you think you saw us on Tuesday or Thursday, not us. That's but Wednesday, true. <laughs> us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use Foaming Surface Wash and Polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the Cordless Foaming Sprayer, you can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Our topic Tuesday comes from Michael B. in Atlanta, who mm. writes to us about all the PHEVs and HEVs and EVs and what what is he supposed to think? <laughs> no. Okay. Michael recently bought a PHEV. It is a 2022 Wrangler 4xe, okay. and he drives it like it's a Jeep. Love it. I'm not sure how, what else you would drive well, it like. Well, what that means is, I mean, he says it's his daily driver, but he finds and takes it off-road all the time is really the takeaway from this, which is good. So it's not just, I mean, look, let's be perfectly candid, and I hopefully you'll agree with me, Michael. A Wrangler is not a good commute car. It's not what it's built for. In the same way, the Lotus is not a good commute car. But true. if you're, if you're you taking can. it out, absolutely you can. If you're taking it out and also doing other stuff that it was designed for, in the case of the Lotus, fun backroads. In the case of the Wrangler, fun off-road, you're doing mm-hmm. that, and I think that's amazing. Yes. Well, he has wowed other Jeep owners on the trail with silent traversals of rock crawls. It's been fun, <laughs> he says, and he sees it just as a regular Jeep that saves him on gas. Okay, I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But this is his first PHEV, so it makes him wonder why are manufacturers releasing things like the Hummer and the Escalade and the EQS EV mm. when PHEVs seem to make more sense as the transition vehicle? Interesting. Okay. What are our feelings on hybrids, which feel like an accepted vehicle type already, but PHEVs and EVs from the perspective of consumers, what is their acceptance level? Now, Michael writes, he knows that Tesla jump-started the EV revolution and it's become mainstream for less than 10% of the American car buying population. It's nine or 10% at this point, from my understanding, but shouldn't manufacturers be looking at more at PHEVs as the stepping stone to wider alternative fuel acceptance to quell the EV naysayers and range anxiety trepidatiousness. Yes, there you go. 
like the like the word choice. Mm -hmm. Michael has made no compromises getting this PHEV Jeep versus a regular internal combustion engine Jeep. Mm -hmm. Well, he says maybe a few. He can't fold the second row seats as flat because of the battery underneath, and he can't install some of the third-party windshield mount light bars because of the charging point on the driver's side fender. Okay. He says he feels like we would be distributing so much of the raw materials for 1,000-horsepower Hummer EVs to more vehicles by starting with PHEVs and drawing more buyers that otherwise might turn up their noses to regular full battery electric vehicles. What are our thoughts on the industry at large? Michael, 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 Michael. Okay. Is that like I'm Sunday, gonna, Sunday, Sunday? I'm going, uh, not quite. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it fades away. Sunday, Sunday rises, Michael, 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 fades, fades away. Anyway, no, that's okay. the difference. No, see, here's the thing, Michael, and all of you listening. This, okay, we try really carefully on this show to not delve into politics. Mm -hmm. There is almost no way to talk about this topic and not hit somebody's political buttons. For sure. So I am sure. going to say right up front, we are not making this political, and we are not claiming to know everything there is to know about these topics. We are going to talk Good. about yes. them from the things that we do know and our experience, which in most cases is direct with these cars and the stuff that we're seeing. I am certain there will be letters that will follow this Quite topic. Possibly. And many of you in d different parts of the industries this touches, we're going to talk about it just in case of cars, may have more experience than us, probably are smarter than us. That will happen. We're going to dive in here anyway. And I'm going to say the interesting thing for me is that I now own a PHEV, Michael, and I have found the entire experience quite fascinating. Mm. And I continue to have it kind of develop over time as I, it, this is my wife's e-hybrid Cayenne. 2017 e-hybrid still Cayenne. kind of an early PHEV in terms of how fast the industry moves. It it's is still kind of an early car because really. now if you get a PHEV hybrid, and I'm going to get a little bit wrong, but you get the, the updated Cayenne, you get 30 something miles. We get and listen to this for right now. We get 11 miles all electric in the winter when it's cold. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We get 14 to 16 in the summer when it's hot. I was fascinated when we first got the car and we and we got it in the middle of like February, March and it was getting 11 and then the middle of the summer was like, I can get 14 now because it has a small little battery which we mm -hmm, can charge mm -hmm. off. The, we're just charging off a 110. Okay, we're not, I didn't get special stuff in my house. We do plug it in most nights. However, I am more good about plugging it in than my wife is. Are you? Well, well here's, here's what I've discovered. Here's what I've discovered. She doesn't like the extra step. Of actually having to plug it in? Unplug it. Because here, here, it's here's, right there. No, here's here's how ridiculous it gets. It's on the and same I, side I as know, the driver door. I know, but here's the thing. You're going to understand this when I explain <laughs> okay. it. You're not going to necessarily agree with it, but you're going to understand it. Okay. okay? And, okay. I, and I love my wife dearly. And and here's the thing. I have a, an update on this car coming. We've already put over 13,000 miles on it. Have it's been a really? phenomenal vehicle. Yes, I can't believe it. It's been I, a phenomenal vehicle. And I'm not in it all that often. Every single time I'm in it, I'm like, this is great. I really, really like it. But yeah, the charge port's on the driver's side. But the charge port does that thing that most charge ports do. If you haven't dealt with a charge port like this, I'm going to let you know right now. For a while... People had a tendency to unplug other people's cars early on in electric car world. <laughs> so most cars now have a safety that when you plug the car in, it locks the charger into the charge port. And the only way to unlock it is to unlock the car with your key fob. Now that sounds like that makes perfect sense, except my wife, as, as you would think in our house, keeps the key fob down in the bottom of her purse. She does? She does. So that means in order for her to release the thing, she has to get the key fob out of the bottom of her purse 
to then release the charging cable. How big is the purse? Well, you is know, it full of stuff? Oh yeah, of course it yeah, is. Yeah. Now, of yeah. course, I have the key fob hanging on the key ring by the door, so I uh-huh. can grab it, hit the unlock, pull the charger port, and off we go. She ends up standing at the side of the car, going, "That's right, I have to pull my key You're out right, here I and understand solve it. it." You understand it now? I understand it. So anyway, but the point is, uh-huh. we plug it in regularly. I plug it in all the time. She plugs in a lot of the time. And we get that 11 to 16 miles. But what's fascinating to me is to watch what has happened to our gas consumption. Now, I'm going to also state this. None of the miles per gallon issues I'm going to list right here are high. Okay? (laughs) It's a big Cayenne. It weighs about 5,000 pounds. Our original Cayenne, our old Cayenne, averages about 15, 16 miles to the gallon. Mm -hmm. It was the Mm -hmm. base V6. This one, we're averaging 22, 23. That's about a 50% increase if you want to think about it. And that's going back and forth to Salt Lake where we, we actually exceed the mileage that we have all EV. If we have a week or two where all we're really doing is running errands locally, we've gotten 29. Hmm. So it is making a difference. And, and I want to say, I'm going to target two goals for the discussion of all of these. Hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and straight EVs. I'm going to mm-hmm. discuss two goals. I want people to have easy access to cars and their usage. I don't care what they're powered by. I want easy access to cars and their usage. Mm -hmm, And right mm -hmm. now, fossil fuels are far easier for, oh my gosh, I need something right now. I drove the Lotus over here this afternoon, Mm -hmm. which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not a hybrid anything. It's quite old school, but I realized I need gas. There are two gas stations between me and you, and we live 10 minutes apart. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I can be done in five, okay? Electrics can't do that efficiency as far as speed of my time or how easy it is to find it. They can't do it yet. Will they? Hopefully, but they can't right now. So I want ease of use and not a lot of extra cost for people. And right now, electrics are expensive. Full electrics are expensive. And you do have to structure your life around getting them recharged. So that's one thing. The other thing is, yes, if what we're mainly using cars for is commuting, it would be really nice to have less pollution, less coming out of the tailpipes and polluting the world around us. That'd be really nice. I feel like at the most basic level, those are the two things I want. Cheap, affordable, ease of use, and less pollution. Mm. Beyond that, we can spiral into lots of other we ought to do. Yeah, yeah. But those are the two things I think that for the car world should be focused on so that we aren't completely restructuring how we all need to drive or what we all need to buy, and therefore we all have to be in debt because whatever. That's an excellent response. Michael, I have found this incredible transition that we are just at the very beginning of has caused me to seek education even more so than I than I usually do. When I'm interested in a particular subject, I really want to go after it and get educated. And we just had that discussion uh, last podcast about graphene mm-hmm. and the potential uses for the material and what an incredible potential future that holds. I mean, look at what technology has done from the inception of the automobile all the way to now Mm. through Mm. tire technology and racing and what tech has done for Mm. the car. And ultimately, Michael, what we want is you to be happy with what you drive. We want you to find a car that you not just tolerate, not just get you through, Mm. not just, well, I, I guess it'll do, we want you to love it, yeah. no yeah, matter right. the powertrain. Right. So my education into this has made me decide that manufacturers all over the world are like toddlers. <laughs> okay, finish yes, this. I, I, like am, I am comparing them to toddlers because the only way toddlers can relate to the world is to stick things in their mouth. Okay. It's bad. We don't want mm, children to mm-hmm. put things in their mouth. You, 
Don't stick that in your mouth. But, but it is it is their, their they, standard way of, I can pick it up and then I can taste it. That they can is taste the, yep. it. They, mm-hmm. they are trying to relate to it. They are trying to understand it. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. don't know what it is. And manufacturers are now doing that. Every CEO and every leader for every car company is trying to figure out what do they want their brand to be like? What does their brand say about their vehicles? Mm. What kind of enthusiast or customer do we want to attract? And the changing of technology has allowed car companies to expand their horizons even more so to really think, who who are we as a Mm, car company? mm. What kind of products and inspiration do we provide our customers? What markets are are we going after? What new markets can we serve? How can we compete better? It's only served to make cars and cars from here on out even better than before. And the the proliferation and advancement of materials and science to, to figure out how can we use materials to get lighter weight batteries, to get better materials into mm-hmm. cars, mm-hmm. make them more efficient. I'm fascinated with what I'm reading about the Cybertruck. It's absurd. It is. What this has done from a manufacturing point of view, and that's what I'm diving into, and I'm also diving into things like mining. Mm. and understanding the ramifications of where raw materials come from and what that means for the world. And ultimately, what I'm trying to get at in any conversation with people ask either you or I, hey guys, what should I get? Either in person or in an email. Mm. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're coming from. Let's just probe with a few questions like we always do. Mm-hmm. And we say, well, there's a lot of EVs that we like. There's a lot of EVs that are poorly executed mm-hmm. and they're just a first start. They're like toddlers putting stuff in their mouth and that didn't taste good. Spit <laughs> that out. <Okay>. Yeah, <laughs> That didn't yeah, yeah. go well. Mm-hmm. Let's try again. Mm-hmm. And there's other EVs. Tesla, like you've mentioned. Wow. I don't want a Tesla personally. I don't like how they drive. But what they've done for the industry and what they've done to push other manufacturers into the space and drive Mm -hmm. other car Mm -hmm. companies to not sit back on their laurels and to push teams and create new teams to Mm. explore materials Mm. and explore car design and what that means for the consumer. Still, there's there's a lot of badly executed and poorly conceived stuff out there that just doesn't make sense. And we've talked about thousand horsepower cars and what that does for the general public. And I mean, now the general public Nothing good. What, what? Sorry. Well, we, we talk about slow cars fast. It's actually part of our next car debate, but mm-hmm. we talk about cars that are underpowered and being able to extract more out of them mm-hmm. versus handing you a thousand horsepower, anything mm-hmm. truck, car, SUV, bicycle. I don't care yeah, what yeah, it is. Yeah. That's a lot of responsibility for the consumer mm-hmm. to be able to take that and understand how it works and to be able to control it and drive well and yeah, and yeah. have fun doing it. So there's still some consumer education. So in anything, we try to ask for reasonable conversations that come from an educated standpoint. And if I need to be educated, I would like to know. Mm. I want to know. Mm. Absolutely. Because the ripple effect is even further now throughout the supply chains, throughout manufacturing, throughout mining. It's a huge worldwide ripple effect, which I always think... We talk about cars so much and we meet people who aren't into cars. And I'm just thinking to myself, <laughs> it, is, it affects your life so much yeah, and you're yeah, not yeah. into it. Mm-hmm. How can you not be into it? Okay. You're not into it. I get it. But what an incredible thing that affects how we view cars and the, the argument of personal transportation and this, you know, I love having a car that takes me wherever I want to go, whenever I want to go mm-hmm. with just my stuff and my peeps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 
versus public transportation or car sharing. And, and I see my uh, counterparts at Art Center. Mm. The, uh, the transportation design program is uh, actually expanding with a Peter Mullen huge investment for the Mullen Transportation Design Center mm -hmm. to really conceive what future transportation will be and you know the carless cities all the way to what future cars will be like. So the transportation design curriculum is ever-changing mm -hmm. too. It's not just styling of cars anymore. It's not just creating a pretty object, mm -hmm. although that will never go away in my opinion. Mm. I love that you're finding what works for you now. And that's what car companies are doing. They're building things that they feel like they can execute and do well and do well for them right now, given the energy and the amount of people they can throw at a project and their ability to get things done. See the new Honda Pilot. Well, Honda's really not a big enough car company to be able to develop a platform like GM's Ultium platform. Mm. They just don't have the resources. So that's why they've partnered with GM. My struggle with it is because... Well, Honda, you've built something that GM could build. You've just sort of rebranded it and we're mm, back to the mm. badge exercises of the 90s. Sure, sure. Have we taken that into consideration or are we a little bit short-sighted there? I'm, I want to drive it. Maybe it does have that Honda quality to it. Mm, interesting. But I continue to maintain if there's a lot of partnerships and fewer car companies and they all consolidate into one, what will that do for driving? Every article you read about the future of transportation or manufacturing or mining or whatever that is, one thing is always missing. And that is cars are fun to drive. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Every single mm -hmm. article by journalists, by researchers, they all miss that one thing in there. Sure. Driving is still fun. It certainly should be. We yeah. want it to be fun. Okay. There's the autonomous stuff over here. Mm -hmm. There will be a place for that. And the tech I believe will come about and it will grow in cities. It will have its place. So will EVs, so will combustion engines, whether it's e-fuels, synthetic mm -hmm. fuels. I don't think combustion itself is going away. I think it will, technology will continue to proliferate it because of so many benefits of combustion engines. Let's talk about ships and moving goods around sure. the world. Let's yeah. talk about all the construction and the mining equipment. Let's talk about military usage. Let's talk about air travel. Let's talk, you know, yeah. all of these yeah, yeah, things yeah. have to be addressed. So the ripple effect is huge. I like that car manufacturers are being pushed and they know it mm -hmm. and they have to offer products to make money and make it at a decent price that mm -hmm. most people can afford. Hopefully, yeah. Some yeah, are, yeah. some aren't. Yeah, you're right, you're right. We've gotta get the cars out there that are still fun to drive and I still think there will still be a large segment of the population that wants it to be fun. You have fun doing silent off-roading and slowly <laughs> crawling over rocks. Just hear the tires. What That's a all you perfect hear. thing. Electric motors. That's great. Because yeah, yeah, you yeah. can consistently control that output a mm -hmm. little bit better than a gas engine. Tons of torque. I think it's probably superb. We have, actually haven't tried the full EV off-roading kind of style yet. I'm mm -hmm. not surprised that you're wowing other people. Michael, the reason that works is because you don't have to worry about, do I have enough to get home? Right. Because are we actually wanting, and, I, and I'm, I'm asking kind of, you're not going to be able to answer, but I'm asking this semi-rhetorical question. Do we want to be in the middle of nowhere in Moab and drive up on a charger? That's the discussion that's actually happened. I've seen, we, many of you have probably seen, there were, there were press photos of this idea mm. when they released the 4xE. It's like, okay, we're going to put chargers in at the major off. Really? Do you want to be in the middle of untouched wilderness and here is this sci-fi thing sticking up out of the rock? Do you want that? You just flip Do you the want, door of the rock open. It's hidden inside the rock. Do you want the infrastructure that it took to run that big power cable? If we're worried about protecting the world, 
Mm-hmm. Do we want to do things like that? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying there's an easy answer, but I'm saying if we're all electric, that has to be solved. Granted, I have one now, and so it has it is affecting me for sure. But I think PHEVs are absolutely the correct answer for right now, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the problem that has been created with the EV push, if all we're worried about is transporting people in the most efficient way possible, that is what public transit is for. If that's the goal, we should all be in public transit. That is not fun. But it just gets your body from point A to point B. But if that's really the goal, Mm -hmm. is the most efficient, least pollutant, least wasteful way for us all to travel, it is absolutely 100% public transit. Yep. Now, you and I, and most of you listening, like riding around in our own little pod for fun. This is not everyday public transport. (laughs) (laughs) It is not. public transport (laughs) debate. There's where we are. I think that the interesting thing about PHEVs is it it solves the thing that full electric cars are... problem that they are now creating because at the moment with current battery technology there are limited resources of what it takes to make the batteries Mm -hmm. and the amount of that resource that it takes to make to your point michael the nine thousand pound ev hummer or the 300 plus mile rivian or a 300 plus mile tesla whatever Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a lot that that same amount of material could make a ton of iphones sure but let's be honest it could probably make a few dozen, a few hundred, depending upon how, bad, how, how big it is, PHEVs. Yeah. Do you want 100 of the car, 20 of the car, or one of the car? There's been studies out there, and I, I don't know the source right now. Hopefully, one of you will send that to us. But there's been sources about the finite amount of materials and resources and divvying that up between one of these, yes. 10 of these, 20 yes. of those, or 2,000 of those. You know what I mean? And I think I've seen that before, but I can't remember quite where... The reality is the person with the Hummer is probably not dailing it. They just bought it. Mm-hmm. So now that that all of that resource has been consumed. Mm-hmm. Okay? The other problem that's created by full EVs is weight. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. The, now, we joke about the Hummer because it's so heavy, but the Rivian is like six or 7,000 pounds, yeah, and most of the Teslas either. are five or 6,000 pounds. Yeah. Most, most electrics out there are, if you go back and do this for fun, haha. Go back 10, 20 years. Let's find the average weight of a car in the early 2000s and an average weight of a car now. They've grown by almost a ton. Not they quite. Were, they were heavy in the 60s. They were he- <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But the point is, all of that is now, it's now beating on the roads more. It's consuming more tire rubber. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're shifting problems. It's not like, well, we solved this problem and we didn't have any co- consequence anywhere else. You just kind of moved where the, where the issues are. Shifted now, it around, yeah. Uh, look, an all-EV world commuting on the 405 is going to be much, much nicer than it is right now. 100%. Yeah. All-EVs commuting in Los Angeles is a much nicer world. But are we going to be able to, cons- to to have that much of that resource? And are we, are we going to be able to charge all that? Mm-hmm. Back, back to PHEVs. The interesting thing here is the average person is commuting less than 30 miles in a day. Most PHEVs don't have that monster battery, don't have that monster weight, and can do most people's commute. But then if you have to go further, isn't there a gas station like three blocks away? Probably. Mm-hmm. And now you can. But most people will never actually use it that way. So you solve both problems because the thing that consumers have shown is they won't buy the EVs with low range because they freak out. 
The EVs that were sold with less yeah. than 100 miles worth of range, people were like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can do. That's the, the normal thing. That's why the whole range anxiety term got coined. And I've said it from the beginning. If we had 50 miles worth of range but could get it back in five minutes, nobody would be talking range anxiety. But that yeah. technology doesn't exist. What we're talking about with PHEVs is that 30 to 50 mile thing I'm talking about, but no range anxiety. Because if I have to go further, okay, the gas engine will kick on, and I'll use a gallon mm-hmm, this week mm-hmm. instead of a full tank of gas that I would have used a year ago. I think PHEVs are a fantastic stopgap. Now, the issue is you're talking about two full drivetrains, which when it, when the Prius first came out, we all talked about two full drivetrains. Chevy uh, <laughs> Volt, when it first came out, we all right. talked two full drivetrains, and we were all worried about the reliability, but the re- reliability of that dual drivetrain has proven to be pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah, the reliability of EVs has proven to be good. The thing I think is key here is, as we've talked about this many times, all these mandates, 2030, 2035, no more internal combustion engines, uh, uh, but then you start to read the fine print. It means the entire fleet's going to be electrified. Mm -hmm. That's a key word. That means everything's going to have electric component. I think the way these manufacturers are going to solve this across the board is a lot of PHEVs because that means everything is electrified, but it also means the entire fleet of cars is not electric because we're just not there yet. I also think all of those mandates are going to change. We've said that many times. But the PHEV totally, thing totally. does get us some way, some of the way there. And hybrids are still doing a phenomenal job, by the way. Some great examples for you, Michael, and that is from our friends at Toyota. We've got a Corolla Cross currently. We've driven it before. There is a test drive video on that. We've got it once again. And driving it has reminded me how much I couldn't stand the regular Corolla Cross yeah. Despite them selling well over 70,000 examples in the first year of the Corolla Cross. We thought it was worthless. We said it in our review of the hybrid. Yes. That, that the hybrid was like the only way it should have been sold. Then yeah. this, and it's not a PHEV. It's just simply an HEV. It manages that uh, power output for you, which I really like. Yeah. The engine kicks on, and then if I'm just rolling slowly through the parking lot, the engine will shut off, and yeah. I'm just on electric. Fine. It's managing it for me, and it brings the car to life, and now it actually moves normally <laughs> when i see a semi in my rear view i'm not freaked out <laughs> he's gonna start pushing you up the I hill mean, the other one yeah. i was thinking about don't die yeah, this one i'm thinking true. about this actually drives pretty good i mm-hmm, mean vast mm-hmm. chasm right, right. between the two lines of thought this one is actually light enough still where it actually is kind of entertaining to drive mm. and many car manufacturers i believe phevs will still save sports cars Porsche is investigating this. McLaren Artura is a great example. Sure, yeah. And I think it would be a great option for Miata. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mazda needs to investigate this. And I think more of this will come. I still think there will be the gas-only engines or the combustion-only engines. Fine, they do have their place. And EVs still do have their place. But then we're playing with cost. Mm -hmm. Toyota has the Sienna, the minivan, only offered as a hybrid. Yep, Yep. Their Venza, which I just posted on social media, it's like an overgrown Prius. You proclaimed it to be mm-hmm. just in an overinflated Prius. Absolutely, yeah, it is. Yeah. Which is actually pretty great. There's a lot of space and people sit up like you want. It's and the nice Prius SUV. It's the luxury Prius SUV. It's it what really it is. is. Yeah. And it only comes as a hybrid. Mm-hmm. The end. It also has a really cool electrochromic glass roof. Yeah, it does. Which is great. I mean, the fact that it's offered on a Venza. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It's not just a selling point. It's actually kind of useful. <laughs> it is cool. Yes, <laughs> I like it a lot. So every car company is playing with this, and how you know the the sports car companies, the Lotuses, the McLarens, the Porsches, mm-hmm. even the Corvette E Ray. What are we saying about the sports car brand? Mm-hmm. Because 
companies are full of people who want fun cars to drive and want to sell yeah. cars yeah. that are fun to drive and put on a track. Well, but wait, you're bringing up, you're kind of brushing up against weight. Weight makes everything worse. Absolutely. Makes everything worse. It yes. makes it less entertaining to drive. It makes it more consumptive. Mm -hmm. And it makes it harder on the infrastructure. Yes. And a full EV, I, when they go full EV Cayenne, it's probably going to be at least 1,000 pounds heavier than the one I have right now, which is right at 5,000 pounds, which I'm astounded that I own a 5,000 pound car. Now, my prior Cayenne was 4,900. This one's like right at five. Okay. Uh -huh. But my point is 4,900 to 5,000. That's not a lot of weight penalty, especially mm -hmm. also we have 21s, which is ridiculous, separate thing. But <laughs> there's not a lot of weight penalty going to this, this plug-in hybrid. There's also not a lot of weight penalty going to hybrid, but going to full EV, not only the consumption of the materials, but also there's a major weight penalty there. And yes. all electric Miata is going to weigh a lot more than the current Miata. A PHEV Miata or a hybrid Miata might weigh 100 or 200 pounds more. Yeah, and you get torque fill. So that means mm -hmm. that always the car is now faster than the prior model. That thinking that car companies always want to deliver what on. What the marketing department has to have to do their work. This has yes. more. It's faster. It's uh -huh. better. It does yes. more. Whatever. However you guys write that. Mm -hmm. That's what their ultimate goal is. The new model is better than the old model because of these yeah. numbers. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Well, PHEV is a great solution for that. Well, and electri electrification is this key term, and I want all of us to keep noticing it because that is the thing that keeps coming up, is the word electrification. Mm -hmm. or, or, or a manufacturer will say, everything in our lineup will be electrified. <laughs> electrified, not electric, mind you, different words. Everything will be electrified by this date. Now that means technically the 48 volt starter generator that Mercedes uses mm. counts. Oh yes. Okay. Oh yes. And that's not a car that runs down the block 10 miles on electrification. It can't, but the starter generator helps it get better gas mileage. So electrified is key. All of our lineup will be electrified by this date. Sure it will. On one level, I'm actually going to feel sorry for the car manufacturers for a second. Don't often do that, but I'm going to here for this quick reality. They're trying to make a product. They're trying to make a product that will be approved to be sold to the public. Mm -hmm. They're working on a five to 10 year product development cycle. Yes. And the regulations are changing every two to four. <laughs> yep. Okay. Yep. Now, I don't run a mass market company. <laughs> I'm not trying to build cars. <laughs> but that's a nightmare. Yes. Okay. Just the cafe ratings, just the MPG requirements that change with every president has to be maddening. And that's... Every president around the world. Uh, that's keeping combustion engines going. Mm -hmm. Now it's changing as even some cases, local governments, forget country governments, local governments mm -hmm. are changing what they're going to do. If you're an automaker, you're going, I can't. I just I can't. can't. I guess we'll sell bicycles. I, seriously, I just <laughs> let's just close up shop and sell chips or something. I don't know what we're doing. So the point seriously. is, this is where you're getting to things like, we're making all of it. We're making a gas car, an electric car, a PHEV, and a hybrid. We're making all of it because, frankly, we have to hedge our bets somewhere. I, and this yes. is where that electrified lineup comes from because you see all these mandates that they, they've been around long enough. I'm talking they as the people that run car companies to know that that's going to change in two years or five years. But this car I'm designing is going to come out for 10. What do I do? Well, let's make it a PHEV because then at least, at least we've covered all our bases. Yeah, totally. <laughs> We could go on, Michael. I, I think you see where we're going. But I love that you have identified this. But the Jeep you have is not what most people are buying. But you've discovered it. And I like that Jeep is investigating. And they need to know that this is working. Okay, this, this works. Okay, if we went farther than this, what would that mean? 
it's unknown territory, but yeah. that's what's so exciting about the car market is, is that every manufacturer is trying stuff. They're all putting stuff in their mouth. <laughs> Some of it needs to be spit out. <laughs> Telling you. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. We were discussing Slow Car Fast, which is exactly what Andrew mm. L. is writing to us about. He says, last year, he was fortunate enough to finally purchase one of his dream cars after we always encourage our mm -hmm, listeners mm -hmm. to experience different driving things, different driving experiences. He bought a C7 Grand Sport Z07. That's a gorgeous car. Wow. It's a really, really pretty car. I yeah. saw one on the freeway recently. I, actually, when you and I were, were headed uh, to the Colorado meetup, my oh. wife and I were driving the C8 down the freeway, and there was a kind of a black, almost black, purplish C7 Grand Sport. Oh, that's right. I do remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Had some aftermarket wheels on it. Did you get that Corvette and, wave and be, like we're I the did. cool kids? But I have to be honest. I couldn't stop looking at that car. The stance was really? right. I'm yeah. not a guy that likes purple. It was just spectacular looking. I think the C7 Grand Sport is one of the best looking vets in history full stop. I think it's yeah, I think it's yeah. up there with the C3 Coke bottle design, which wasn't very good to drive, but looked great. I think it's up there with <laughs> See, that. Styling matters and the split window. I think it's. Yeah. The, I think those are the top three designs the car has ever had. Anyway, so that's go good. On. Well, Andrew says he hasn't been able to drive it as much as he would like. He's not yet tracked it, but he plans to next year. But one thing is painfully clear: the car is way too capable for public roads. And um, by the way, Andrew, not only are you right, but when you track it, be careful. Uh -huh. Please take an instructor because yeah. the, that is a lot of car. That's some education for sure. Now, he never plans on selling the C7, but he's looking for recommendations for more of a slow car, fast kind of situation mm. so we can get a good driving fix without hitting go to jail kinds of speeds. <laughs> yes, this right. is the reality. Yes. <laughs> and here's the thing. Sorry, touching on where we were earlier. This is the reality of electrics as well. People yeah. that have never driven anything that was the least bit powerful now have all of the power all of the time. It's a little <laughs> terrifying. Anyway, yeah. The obvious choice, Andrew writes, is the Miata. And he likes the ND2 RF. He's not a convertible guy, but he also likes things that are more unusual and unique. Okay. He's definitely in the clown shoe camp. He likes okay. the clown That's shoe great. kind of thing. And admittedly, his range of driving experiences is not too broad at this point. But he says, poke all the fun that you want. He would prefer an automatic. Mm, okay. So he wants to get something a little quirky, but not immature, like a WRX or Veloster. Okay. That, there's no bad thing here. We like immaturity over here. But what, but what he's saying is Car it has to feel please like... please keep making immature cars. Yes, we like it, and there are many that do. But in Andrew's case, he wants something that feels like it's a car for an adult. You and I mm -hmm. are still children, so we will buy anything. Build the cars for the children. in a crazy color. Yes. yes. Uh-huh. He says a two-seater, two plus two, nothing he needs to be precious with. Love it. And wants Love our it. thoughts. I am jumping right in here. Okay. And I'm going to say it out loud. Andrew, most cars. I don't care if it's a sports car or not. Most cars, mm. to your point, are too capable for public roads now. That's a very good point. Yeah. And more cars are coming. All the EVs, all mm -hmm. the battery EVs mm -hmm. and PHEVs and all the stuff with torque fill electric motors. Yeah. They're all too capable. Yeah. 
you know, I, there, nobody will ever run this this uh, survey, but I I bet you money, <laughs> I bet you money, that the latest car every consumer has bought is the most powerful car they've ever owned, which is something marketing can write about. Yes, but I bet you, and I bet you, the the vast majority of people are making big jumps in power, and they Probably. weren't even shopping for power. But because of this, because what we're talking about, about a Hellcat, because of electrification phase. Yes, true. Because of electrification and the way, and let's look at Mercedes with their crazy two liter turbos spitting out 600 horsepower. My point is cars of the last decade are all so much more powerful that I bet you everybody buying a car right now from the person pursuing a Hellcat to the person that just needs, I need a minivan. It's more powerful than the any car they've had prior. It's crazy. Andrew, I am also predicting that once you get the slower car, You'll never drive the fast one anymore. That's an interesting point. If we recommend a Miata and say, go get yourself a Miata, I don't think you'll ever drive the vet again. Interesting. You'll take it to Cars and Coffee. You'll take it on date night. Hmm. And that will hmm. be it. That will be the end of the story. Okay, you said you're going to track it. You haven't yet. Mm-hmm. But I know you'll wonder, what does this Miata like to track? What if I took the Miata <laughs> I could on track? track this car too. Hey, gosh, the tires and brakes are actually cheaper for the Miata. So why yes. don't I go track that? Mm-hmm. And the Corvette will sit. Mm. That's my prediction. Interesting. So I am going to recommend you downgrade. And despite wow. you saying you're never getting rid of the C7, I am telling you to sell it. Wow. Look at you. Okay. What a pretty car. Because you don't drive it. Mm. If you drove mm. it and you said you love it, well, you wouldn't be writing to us. You'd be driving it and loving it. You wouldn't have time to write. <laughs> <laughs> right? Currently driving. Can't stop and type. I can't yeah. stop to type. I like it. Because I love my car and I'm driving it. I'm going to go drive. Not writing to you guys. But you did. Hmm. And so I'm recommending that you downgrade, maybe less powerful, but certainly smaller, which is why car companies still need to build these kinds of cars for Hmm. the rest of time Hmm. in whatever configuration, whatever powertrain, using whatever nanotechnology, graphene, or I don't care what the battery tech is, or if it's some combustion engine running synthetic fuels, I don't care. Hmm. Bring us the small, the lightweight, the fun, the ones that are easily integrated, the ones that people want to learn how to drive, the ones that aren't intimidating. Mm. Because everybody says, put your head against the headrest. I want to show you my new Hellcat. I'm only going to do this once, everyone. And pin it. Mm -hmm. And some Mm -hmm. of you are going to barf at the end of the straightaway. Yeah, That was fun. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's cool, and it's a party trick, and it's Mm got to be done, but every EV will soon be able to pin the passengers. Everybody will get sick and say, Mm -hmm. ha-ha, that was cool, and lie about it. And then please don't do that again. They'll sure. Like, I'm okay. Stop. I'm good. I'm like, good. I'm can, okay. Yeah. What about this car is interesting to drive? What else mm, besides mm. pinning the throttle? I'm asking. Mm. So car manufacturers need to get all the people movers, the five seat SUVs out of the system. It's still not, it's still not out of their system. They're still building. They're still conceiving <laughs> five seat EVs and will for the rest of time. But I guarantee you, somebody's going to poke their head up and be like, you know, looking around at the landscape here. You know what nobody's making. <laughs> you know what nobody's building yeah, is. You're right. Yeah. Plop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Mazda is the company to do it. But all of this, a tech, it moves so quickly. Mm. But to implement it into mainstream affordable tech takes a long time. The research at universities is light speed. But then to make it commercially viable is still a hurdle yeah, to make yeah, yeah. it at scale and mass produce and all these things. So I'm recommending a GR Supra. Interesting. Toyota okay. built it with an automatic to start. 
True, true, true. They built yeah. it for you, Andrew. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whether you want the two liter or the three liter, it's quirky, but it's not immature. Mm. It's fun to drive. It's a sports car. It's not the taste of everybody. Everybody looks at the styling and you love it or you hate it. Nobody's really like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Mm. People are mm. like, that's the prettiest car ever. Or what did Toyota do? Other people are <laughs> heaving in their boots. You're right. You're absolutely <laughs> like, right. Yeah, what yeah. did? Yeah. I think GR Super is the one for you. Go decide on the engine. What if you got the two liter? Mm. Less power, but mm. it's still fast. And you learned really how to extract all of that goodness out of that car. Because if I recommend you go extract all the information out of that Corvette, that's a lot of high speed. That's a lot of track days. Mm -hmm. It can be done. Do you have that interest? And you it's have a lot it of consumables too. It's a lot of consumables for sure. So that car is really targeted. Mm. The Grand Sport, it's, you take it to Palm Springs. You take it on the open road through the West. You take yeah. it yeah, yeah. on a long drive. You're, you're not using it to its potential, but it's sure fun to have it mm -hmm. when you want to mm -hmm. do some passing or up and on ramp. I hope you do quick blast. a huge road trip in that car. Do That's what a road I want trip. for you, Absolutely. Yeah. I am standing on the Supra. I love Supras. I think they're brilliant and engaging to drive. The 97.2 inch wheelbase <laughs> equaling the Cayman, notwithstanding. <laughs> you love beating on that. That's very funny. <laughs> Great engine options. It's got a manual. If you want to learn manual, choose the manual. It's got an automatic. Choose the mm. automatic. Yes, it's interesting. It's got good space. It's It can be a GT car. You can take it on track. You can run errands. You can just take it mm, to the grocery mm. store. Fine. It's great in all those situations. And what a cool, interesting car. That's GR good. Super, my friend. That's very good. Andrew, I, I'm going to leave your C7 alone. I'm going to leave it in your garage. Ooh. Now, I, I, like, I like what Paul did. I, that's, there's a lot of wisdom there. But I'm going to leave the C7 in your garage. But I am going to challenge you on a couple of things. First off, yes, please go take it to a few track days. Please do so with an instructor. Mm -hmm. Ease your way in. <laughs> However, Ease I'm going to give you another in. recommendation. Almost an insistence. Okay. And that is, what's the road trip you've always wanted to take, Andrew? Oh. I think we all listening probably have some road you're just like, I want to I drive that road. Yeah. You need to do it in the C7. If you're going to keep that car, yes. do that road trip you've always imagined in your C7. Let other people see how much fun you're having and amaze yourself with how much fun you're having. Will it get dirty? Mm -hmm. Yes. Will something get dinged? Probably. Should you take it anyway? Absolutely. Otherwise, it's going to sit. And you're going to have this amazing car that is too precious to be driven, and I don't want that. The one that I saw on the freeway, I was just like, I hope that guy is driving that car forever, and I hope he drives it all over the place while I was taking a C8 on a 2,000-mile drive. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, so yeah. go take that C7 on the ultimate road trip. Love it. This left me with trying to get you a slow car fast. And I think it's interesting. You went straight to the ND2RF because that's a $35,000 car. I mean, it's the fastest Maybe more. I've ever it's, it's great, and I love it, and I'm on record talking about how I think that is a timeless design that in 25 years we're still going to be going, that's a great-looking car. It's a mm -hmm. phenomenal car. However, yes. the key of slow car fast and the fact that you're buying something else to not be precious about is you need to not spend much on it. Oh, 35 to yeah. 40 is too much. Yeah. I want you to spend 15, maybe 20, mm. but like 15 to 20 is the target. So I'm looking for slow car fast, something you can get in. You don't want somebody to ding it, but if they do, you're like, huh, bummer. I'm going to go drive this. It's fun. Toyota it's Corolla just, Cross, the no. original, not the PHEV. No, no, because no, see, that's Those no are fun. slow. They're cheap. Nobody wants them. You're right. If you ding it, it'll actually look better. <laughs> Yikes. 
But but here's the thing. Your answer, it, it, and I'm going to start Miata, but then I'm going to a lot of other places. Your answer, if you want to go Miata, you said you're not a convertible guy. You buy the third gen, the NC Miata, in automatic with the power retractable hard top. You may never take that top down. That's good. But it's, the NC yeah, in the good. auto, the auto, it's not a performance auto, but it's perfectly fine. for Your usage is going to be great. The automatic NC Miata with the tractable hardtop, that is probably going to be half the price of a new ND2 mm-hmm. if you want to go Miata. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go lots of other places. I am going to bring up the Fiesta ST, which I realize is a standard transmission, a manual, but it is hard to buy anything in the modern time that is not slow, car, fast, personified, and, and perfected like the Fiesta ST. It's mm, good. You will buy that car for next to nothing, and I almost can guarantee you that every time you get out of here, you're going to be like, that is so fun. You're not going <laughs> to say, it's so pretty. You're not going to say, it's so high-end. You're just going to be like, it's just fun. It's just, have you, have you, let me take in the Fiesta. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be yeah. a little kid about that car. I, to a person, I have not met a single person who does not like driving the Fiesta ST. Some people, it's not their taste. Some people, it's too cheap for them. Yeah. It actually seems to be a car that, for whatever reason, ergonomically is built for tall guys. I've known guys that were short that got out of it and like, I like it, but it's not quite right spatially for me. Mm, but sure. I've never met a single person who's like, Fiesta ST is no fun. That person doesn't exist to my knowledge. So Fiesta mm. ST is the only manual I'm going to recommend because it's way, way up there. If you want to go quirky, slow car fast, light, fun, all of these things, you have to at least it look at K cars. Whoa. It's the other end of the spectrum from his vet. Get yourself an AZ1. Get yourself a cappuccino, a cappuccino. or a Honda Beat. You're not going to see another one. It's quirky like you want. They're out I there. They're cheap. Don't think you'll be tempted to track any one of those because you'd be like, ah, but you're, screaming the whole time. But here's the thing. If you go down your block, like you stay in your neighborhood and you go to the local neighborhood shop that's still at the end of like four blocks and it's still, you haven't gone through a single road that has a speed limit over 35, you're going to get there still laughing. And it's short enough. You can park between the end of the parking row and the fire you hydrant. You can I park mean. in the in the motorcycle parking. <laughs> you absolutely true. can. So if, if you're really looking that for this. That might ruffle a few feathers. The, the, the K-car parking is, I mean, the K-car is absolutely a great one. AZ1 Cappuccino Honda Beat, that car would make you laugh. Now, if you want to get back into more normal things than those, Fiat 500 Abart comes with a halfway decent auto. That's interesting, too. That car has the exhaust note of a car completely unlike what it is. <laughs> you're like, what is that, Ferrari? What, what is is that is that a new Dodge? And it, it'll product? turn people's heads. Yeah, and turns a corner. You're like, wait, it's it that that sounds like that. I described it in our first review as like owning a baby dragon, which has lots of pros and cons. I'm going to stand by that. So the 500 right. Abarth has a decent auto, so that that one works. The Honda CRZ in auto is interesting, but probably not fun enough. But after mm. all of these, I actually think I'm going to land on one car for you, Andrew. And all of these ideas, I think, would be good. You need a Mini Cooper. Oh, in auto. The Mini Cooper is interesting oh, because it's yeah. it's quirky enough that it's not for everybody, but somehow it gets away with being that quirky and no one hates it. That's true. You can be an executive getting out of a Mini and you're an executive with a sense of humor. You can be a kid getting out of a, a Mini and you're like, oh, you got good taste. You can be a mom getting out of a Mini and they're like, hey, good choice. Nobody hates the Mini. That's true. That's true. But it's not for everybody. Plenty of people are like, yeah, those are cool little cars. I don't want one, but they're cool little cars. <laughs> cool for you. <laughs> it somehow yeah. avoids all of that weirdness that we put on cars. The Mini's just likable. And they drive great. Get an auto Mini Cooper. 
They've come in so many quirky styles. You can find the one for you. I'm landing right there. <laughs> if you're an executive getting out of one of those, people will be like, what is the S-Class in the shop? Like, Possibly. Driving your son or daughter's car? You had like, an Escalade what? V yesterday. Now you're in the Mini. <laughs> exactly. Do you park like, that in the back of the Escalade the rest of the time? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, no, no. I chose this. What do you mean? I like it. It's fun. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. As always, you guys are awesome with great questions. I'm going to start right here because we've touched on a little bit already today. On Instagram, H2OST44, why are people so resistant to having fun with their cars? Thank you for starting with this. This is almost its own topic Tuesday, but I'm going to try to hit some some headlines, and I want you to do some too, Paul. I think the first thing is we spend an awful lot of money on our cars. Look, anything you spend a lot of money on, your house, your watch, which isn't me, but I get it. Your house, your watch, your whatever. The last thing you want to have do, if you have kids and one of them disrespects the thing you just spent a lot of money on, you're like, what are you doing? I love you and you're my spawn, but stop it. (laughs) Seriously, don't do that again. I will smack you. That was expensive. This happens, okay? So now translate that to cars. You're in a big bad world out there with a lot of people you don't like that you aren't related to and they might ding your thing. It might get scratched or dinged or spit on by that guy you don't even know. That's not okay. I spent a lot of money on this. Are you kidding? And so as a result, we can't take it anywhere. It's the Ferris Bueller syndrome. Cameron's dad doesn't ever drive it. He just rubs <laughs> it with true. a diaper. It's that thing, okay? <laughs> he we just spend, rubs it with a diaper. We spend so much money on it that we're terrified that something might happen. Yeah. And we forget the reality of the fact that the reason you spent this money is so that you can enjoy the drive. And that means something will happen. This is this is the place where, for some reason, even though houses are so expensive, houses make the jump. You okay. don't not live in your house. You don't not try stuff in your house. You don't completely lose your mind if something in your house gets dinged. You're not happy about it. Yeah. But yeah. you're aware of the fact that a house is to be lived in and stuff's going to happen. We somehow True. don't give that grace to our cars. Huh. We allow our house to have something. Oh, man, that happened. And in the house, we don't like it, but it's just, uh, this is the reality. How many times have you heard somebody say, yeah, it's like being a homeowner. That's just the reality of being a homeowner. We just accept that stuff's going to happen to the house. We never accept that with the car. And so we get this extra precious place. I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to drive, I'm going to drive it to the coffee shop. I'm going to park way away from everybody. I'm going to get my coffee. I'm going to have you hold my coffee because I don't even trust the cup holder. We're going to drive slowly across the parking lot, the cars and coffee, then we're going home. How'd you know what I did this morning? I know, it's crazy. (laughs) I think it's because when you get a ding in your drywall, the value of your house doesn't go down immediately. That's a good point. That's a great point. You can spackle it. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to spackle the car, folks. And paint over it. Yep. Whereas you get a ding or something happens to your car. We're all conditioned, like, don't put miles on it. The value will go down Mm. and you won't get your money Mm. back. (gasps) I won't get my money back? Well, I'm not going to drive it then. Mm-hmm. And we're not conditioned, nobody conditions us in driver's ed growing up. We're not taught to think, well, I could take my car out for no reason at all. Mm. People have parties at their house for no reason at all. (laughs) Come on over. (laughs) I'm breaking out the good booze. 
It's Tuesday, <laughs> and I just I want to see friends and people come over yes. and they party. Yes, they do. For no reason. You're cleaning up two days later. Like, yes. where? Why is there a glass there? But to take your car out for no reason? Uh huh. Why? I you, I can do that. It's like pouring a shot of espresso into your drip coffee. I didn't know that was allowed until I heard of something called a shot in the dark. That's what it's called, a shot in the dark. I can put that much more caffeine in my body? I mean, I don't recommend you, it, but you, you can, can. You can do that? Like, <laughs> sweet, I'm going to do that. Yeah, let's do that. I can take my car out and drive for the fun mm. and just go see scenery and go for a drive because I really like driving and it's just yeah. cleansing yeah. and I've had a rough day or I'm just trying to take my mind off something. I just want to go drive. And also the consequences are a bit higher, you know, if you get the car damaged or an accident yeah. or the list of what ifs is There's bigger than the yeah. list of what ifs if I have a party on Tuesday night. But you also, are, you're tapped, you tapped into a really good thing there. And that is in the general consensus, the general wisdom is the financial advice. I can't believe I just bumped into that <laughs> is that if you buy a house, it will probably only go up in value. Probably you buy a car will probably only go down. Right. So all well, you can do <laughs> that's until COVID happened yeah. and then it reset. All you the world. can do is try to mitigate how fast it goes down. But the problem is, why did you buy the car? You bought the house to live in. You bought the car to sit. You bought the car to to drive. To dry. I'm so, yes. I, look. I'm genuinely sorry that we buy the cars and they lose value, but they lose value doing the thing they were designed to do, mm. which is be driven. Otherwise, they're just it's. It, you bought a really expensive piece of 3D art. <laughs> and that's a waste. It's a waste. <laughs> Seth Kleinman is back from Facebook. He says, from worst to least worst. <laughs> How do we rank what? the four non-color car, car options? Oh, Meaning goody. black, white, silver, and gray for a vehicle. He said, is it dependent on the type of vehicle? And here's the thing. I will say this. I am not a fan of white. Yeah, I don't like cars. white. Yeah. Neither of us do. Nope. But I will tell you one car that I think almost looks better in white than anything else, and that was the original BMW i8 with the blue accents in white. Mm-hmm. I actually think mm-hmm. that car shows itself, and I like it in colors. They make it in the cool red orange. They make it in the cool blue. I like it in colors quite a bit. But that in the white with the the M colors, instead of putting it on the grill, they put it all over, over the place. With the M colors <laughs> in, in some of the folds yeah. and then all the black, that car looks best like that. So there are exceptions to every rule, but I'm going to actually say this. My my favorite of the least favorite non-car colors is definitely black. My wife loves her black Cayennes. I think many cars look cool and menacing in black. So I can go for black. If you're not going to pick a color, I okay, black's fine. Next, I'm going to say is a very classy silver. Okay. Okay. There are... There are Companies, typically they're, they're luxury companies that will put a flake in their silver. It gives the silver some depth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like we just, we finished building the car and that's just the color it happened to be. It's made out of metal. <laughs> we We're done. made it out of metal. Exactly. So <laughs> so there, there are some very classy silvers out there. I, I, I would never pick a silver, but I've seen cars in silver. I'm like, you know what? That's a pretty good silver. <laughs> then gray, then white. Yeah. And the, and the darker the yeah. gray, the better I am with it. Some of the grays are just primer. It's just like you didn't bother to paint it. It just you just it just rolled it off the end of the assembly line, and somebody bought it like that. And then when there's no like clear coat over the top of it, it's the flat matte gray. Oh, it's stop. even worse. Stop. There's so many more questions we could get to, but we have unfortunately run out of time for this episode. We will get to them the next next time around. But thank you guys for all your questions. Really appreciate it. Write to us with all your topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions. 
And most of all, your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And we will look forward to more social media questions. We've got so much more to cover. It's great stuff. Looking forward to it. Cheers, everyone.